Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number 152 with our guest, Jeremy Ryan Slate. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Well, hey there, guys. Thank you for joining us, tuning right into the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. Jeremy Ryan Slate is the founder of the Create Your Own Life podcast, which studies the highest performers in the world. He studied literature at Oxford University and is a former champion powerlifter turned new media entrepreneur. Jeremy's show was ranked number one in the business category and ranked number 78 in the top 100. The Create Your Own Life podcast has been downloaded over, wait for it, 2.5 million times and is nearing almost 700 episodes. After his success in podcasting, Jeremy and his wife, Brielle, founded Command Your Brand Media, to help leaders use the power of podcasts to change the world. I'm excited for this conversation. Help me welcome right there. It's Jeremy Ryan Slate. What's going on, Jeremy? Josh, my man, I'm stoked to be here. I know you and I have gotten a chance to hang out a couple times, and it's awesome to finally uh, be here on your show spreading the good word, man. Yeah, I like it. I, uh, I appreciate that. I know that we've, um, we, we've been, I've been lucky enough to cross paths with you and work some of the same... Um, same podcast events, really cool. And uh, this is just a great conversation because I know that, my goodness, you are, you're, what I always talk about is if you're going to, if you're going to hire somebody for something, for anything, and if you're going to buy something from someone in any regard, you almost want to make sure that they epitomize that service or product, that they're walking the walk, that they're doing the thing. And here you are forgetting about, let's leave the command your brand service aside for a minute, which I know helps world-class leaders spread their message through getting them on top rated podcasts. But I want to talk about it from your own show. Mm -hmm. Um, The command your brand podcast, um, You, throughout everything you do, that included, you put the spotlight on the best and being the best and becoming the best and showcasing the best. Why is that an important element for you? What is it about that phrase, the best? What does it mean? How do you approach it? And why is it important for the listener to really look to that? 
I guess first and foremost, I've, I'm, I'm a student of history. So my master's is in ancient history. So I've always been interested and not everybody agrees with me on this, but I'm a big believer in, you know, the great man or great woman theory of history. Like there are big people and big beings that have done really big and powerful things. So taking that same approach to looking at the most successful people in the world, there are certain people that turn the wheels of the world. And, and I want to know, like, how do they think? What do they do? What do they do that's different? Because a lot of the ways that they think and what they do, people look at them and they think they're nuts, but that's why they achieve so much of what they've achieved. And, you know, like you look at even, you know, what was on the news recently here about Kobe Bryant passing. And they look at this singular person, the effect he's had on the world. He's helped get more energy for the WNBA. He's a one-name player that people just know him by Kobe. He helped bring basketball to China. And you look at all this incredible stuff and you th say, why does someone think to do things like that? Why would someone do things like that? How do they do it? And when I think when you look at that, you really just understand the world around you more and you can predict a lot more of what's going to happen. So do you feel that we all have it? We all have the ability. Certainly, we can all find the desire and the passion. We have the ability to pursue greatness and to pursue our best. I, I would believe that, but I think a lot of us have stories that we tell ourselves, lots and lots and lots of them on why we can't do it, why this person says we can't do it, why mm. this other person says we can't do it, or why it's not possible. And a lot of people are just totally fine with that. It's the ones that find the way around it that make it happen. You know, they practice at five o'clock in the morning or, you know, like Jocko Willink gets up at four to make it happen. They find the ways around the excuses, man. And it's like, you need to take a look at what that is. Wow, right there, right there. Find their way around the excuses. Once We've all got you, them. Yeah, exactly. I can share some with you if I want, and that's my prerogative, isn't right, it? Right, right. And, and I love that the tagline of your show is break the change of chains of ordinary, become world class. To you, is that something that we just strive for? Is, is there a moment in our personal evolution when we hit world class? Is it debatable? How do we know if we're on track to it? How do you, how do you break that down? Well, it's really funny because I find with all the individuals I've interviewed, they don't think they're there yet, right? Like they're like, oh, you know, I'll get to this next point. I'll get to that, this, this next point. And they've always recalculated that and the point's always higher. Mm. You know what I mean? So I don't think world-class in your own viewpoint is something you ever get to. I think it's something else others perceive of you and your achievements. So I think that's really important. Um, I, I, I just don't think that it's something you're ever happy with. You're always continually trying to better yourself and trying to pursue something. And sure, is it something we can all achieve? Yeah, if we're going to practice and practice and practice and work at it and work at it and work at it. It's just not something that's just going to happen. You know what I mean? There's a level of practicing your craft and continuing to get better at it because I think my generation specifically, man, one of the, and I'm 33, just to give you an idea of that, my generation, one of the biggest things we have is people are like, oh, I can't do anything because I have to follow my passion. It's like, that's such a crock of crap because one of my favorite books is a book called So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport. And Cal talks about this idea of finding something you're good at it and continue to get better and better and better and better at that thing. And you find that you're passionate, the better you get at it. And to me, that's what world-class looks like. Is just finding something you're good at it, pushing at it, getting better, getting better, getting better till people think of you when they think of that. And that's world-class. Mm. So world-class can certainly be something that today, right now, I am, 
I am, I am experiencing, I am epitomizing, I am doing, right? I could in this moment define for myself based on my own metrics and my own achievements and my own approach to everything inside and out, whether or not I am world-class and go with that. Yes, I would agree with that. And as I said, there's also some perception of others too, because you have to be known as that. If you say you are and you don't have the stats or the the notoriety to back it up, then it doesn't really matter. There is a a bit of, you know, that being noticed by others for what you've produced. But early on, man, you're keeping your head down and doing it and not looking to listen to the outside noise because that's how you're going to get there. Speaking of getting there, my goodness, your podcast, almost 700 episodes. How long? When was episode one, by the way? You want to hear about the first time around or the second time around? Go for it. Yeah. Here we go. Because towards the end of 2014, I had a show called Rock Your Life, which had very little planning behind it and very little work done around it. And I also didn't research like what, what else was out there. So I got a cease and desist with Rock Your Life. And I had to drop the Y and the O and it became Rock Your Life. Um, so it just wasn't, it wasn't a great thing. But I did have two interviews on that show, which were the first ones that I did which when I relaunched as Create Your Own Life in the middle of 2015, those are my first couple episodes. So I at least had something in a can to work with. Mm. So it wasn't essentially out of the gate beautiful. It was kind of ugly. kind of yeah. felt like a jail cell interrogation, interrogation for the poor people I was talking to. <laughs> but, it was, but it was something that got me moving, man. Wow. So, so 700 episodes, almost 700 episodes, approaching 700 episodes today. Mm-hmm. What do you believe, looking back on it and thinking about it from today's point of view, what's really been the driving force that allowed you to amass that? Because for the person listening, we have our own version of that, whether it's a number of ongoing consistent podcast episodes or whatever that looks like in their world and in their business. For you, what's been the, the real catalyst to allow that achievement to even happen? I'm persistently annoying. Um, I guess that's the best way to put it. I, I have a running spreadsheet, which started with the top 100 people I most admired. And I reached out to those people. And that's before I knew like Chet Holmes top 100 was actually a thing. So I, I reached out to those top 100 people I most admired. And those are a lot of the first people I reached out to for the show. But then I have a running spreadsheet that I add names to that list repeatedly. And we follow up with them every 30 to 60 days or at some other standpoint if they ask me to. So I'm persistently following up with a lot of the people I really want to learn from, really want to talk to. So that's honestly the thing that's given it legs to keep going. Because for me, I'm consistently trying to level up and talk to higher level people when it's, when it's available to me and, you know, having my team help me do that. But it's the persistence, man. That's the biggest thing because I find a lot of people will, you know, maybe if they, it's a little bit scary to them to reach out to a big guest or talk to a big person and then they do it and then they get a no and then they never follow up again. Mm. You know, a lot of people don't get past that first step of even asking. So, you know, kudos to you if you've done that, but the follow-up is where you make it happen, man. Like I had Dave Asprey on the show a year and a half ago. And it took me three and a half years of follow-up to get Dave Asprey booked. I've had a lot of incredible people on the show that have taken so much time and work to get, but it's the persistence that does that. So I would say, honestly, yes, the number is, you know, almost 700 is a big number, but it's the actions behind that and the persistence behind that that have, you know, led us to where we are here. I love the word persistence. It takes me back to, um, you know, I spent a good deal of time in the acting and film world. And one of my early acting teachers told me that, desire and persistence are my two best friends. Yeah. It sounds like that that's 
I would agree with that. Yeah, right? Consistency and persistence are right there. So on the same note, a follow-up is that I, I looked at your, you know, a handful of the names that you secured and got on your show, uh, incredible names, uh, Seth Godin, Grant Cardone, Danica Patrick, Kevin Harrington. Similar answer, how have you been able to attract those that level of guests and what allowed them what was in place that allowed them to say sure well and it's funny that you grabbed all of those because each one of those were were booked in a different method grant cardone i was told no seven times before i met him at an event and he's like oh you have a podcast cool let's do it and i'm like you're (laughs) uh kevin harrington i cold called his office and the office manager and i became really good friends and we're still good friends to this day and he helped me book that interview Danica Patrick, um, I actually just used a website called contactanycelebrity.com. I happened to find who her publicity team was, and they helped me to book that. So I I guess if you want to look at it one way, it's I'm looking for out-of-the-box solutions, right? Because I I think that a lot of times people think things can only be done one way. They don't realize, hey, there's other ways you can do it. Like if they're not answering me, maybe I try a Facebook message, or maybe I try – I've gotten – great people through Instagram messages. So you always need to be trying to find a solution to get in touch with the person you want to talk to. And that, that's honestly, if I had to, t- to say anything, that's the way to look at it. It's, it's so amazing the way you just broke down how you um, approached each of those very differently. But the overriding thing is that you didn't let fear or resistance or any sort of doubt get in your way. Yeah. Ha- has that become something that you have to master? Did that always, that level of confidence always come naturally? Where do you fall on that? I used to be absolutely horrible at that. Um, but one of the biggest things that helped me with that, honestly, was I made some pretty decent money in network marketing for two years. And I just eventually didn't like the person I had to become to keep making money at it. Um, I sold life insurance for a little over a year and that was the biggest thing that it taught me all about cold calling and doing stuff like that. So I was making 50 to hundred cold calls a day. So contacting people was no longer scary to me. I think a lot of people have this hesitation and fear of reaching out and connecting with other people because they're afraid of that instant rejection. When you've been rejected by an 80 year old man that said, you don't want to talk to me. My wife just passed away. You don't care about me. You can handle just about anything. Oh, so it's, it's when I've, I've been in a lot of these situations where I've handled some pretty heavy rejection, man. And after a while, it doesn't hurt as bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so great. You just brought up the word connecting and connection because mm-hmm. I saw on your website, you have a link that says, uh, be a guest on your show and mm-hmm. it takes you to a form you can fill out. And first of all, it's such a smart form. Typically you think forms are forms, you know, applications are applications. My goodness, man, there's, there's such intelligence behind that form. Least of which is that last question. (laughs) My favorite question on there. (laughs) Do you know, do you know how often I've seen that question asked? Never. Really? Well, sure. Maybe I just have people lead, people lead the people though, man. Like, honestly, that's what it comes down to. Let me repeat it, and, and then I'll get your take on it. Um, the very last question on the application form to be a guest on your podcast says, I'm trying to reach the following dream guests. Let me know if you have a connection. And then there's about eight or ten names uh, with check boxes. And how perfect. 
<laughs> so, so connection, obviously you're saying, guys, I know, what are you saying? Life is about who you know, networking, your network, who knows who, how can you help? How can I help? And let's just make the world go round. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, I guess shout out to your audience. If anybody out there knows Dave Grohl, I will go totally fanboy on you if you can help me make that happen because he's my number one dream guest. But uh, honestly, the, the, it's, I've found a lot of my really cool guests I've met through other people. Like I've had, you know, Olympic medalists because somebody says, oh, you got to talk to this guy. Or wow. I had um, uh, Hal Elrod on the show because one of my friends goes, oh my gosh, you got to interview my friend Hal. I'm like, oh, Hal who? He's like, Elrod. I'm like, really? So it's so much has led, you know, so many people have led me to people that it doesn't hurt to ask. And I do say, I, I think I still have the line on there that says this will, you know, won't negatively or positively affect your Correct. application. Cause I don't want people to say, Oh, you have to do something for me to be able to get on the show. Like if it's a fit, it's a fit, but I'm, I'm still going to ask like, Hey, do you know these people? That'd be great. <laughs> mm. So there's also another part we can dissect about that question, which is you are certainly clear on your goals, your desires and your wants. Yes. You're, yes. you're, you're aware agree. of that. That's, that's an important element of your, of I would your, agree. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree 100%. Yeah. I want to, we, we're going to come back to everything you're about today and how you're helping others achieve the same level of world-class achievement that you've certainly have done. And I know that, you know, I, I follow you on social, we're connected there. And I know that this year or the, or the past year was extremely pivotal in, in growth. So we're going to get the uh, the numbers and the results on that. But I just want to go back to the beginning and, and really help connect the dots and paint the picture. What was life like growing up for you, for Jeremy Ryan Slate? Um, I grew up the son of two very hardworking parents. Um, my mom uh, had a full ride at NYU, but lost her dad to cancer at 39. So she actually ended up having to raise her brother because, um, you know, they had some some family stuff going on there, which was very difficult. Um, and my dad um, was somebody that right out of high school tr tried to go play professional baseball. And he was a pitcher. He was only 5'9", so it was really hard on his body, even though he was throwing close to 100 miles an hour. So uh, he had to make the choice, like, you want to keep going this baseball thing? You've been getting hurt a lot. You know, you, you may or may not make it or you can take this job. And that job eventually led him to, you know, from the machine shop up to every position in the company to the head of quality control to now he's, you know, in the, the, the VP role at his company. So he's worked his way all the way up and it's one of the hardest working people I know. So for me, hard work has always been a thing. And I think as I've gotten older, I've kind of learned how to work a little bit smarter with that hard work because at the same time, you can only run your head into the wall so many times before it kind of doesn't get you there. So I, I, I would say that's one thing that I've learned a lot from my parents is hard work, but how to do it a little bit better. Um, the other thing is too, I've, I've, I, I feel like work ethic is always something that was shared with me. Um, my parents at 11 years old helped me get my first job as a newspaper carrier. And I started out with, I think somewhere around like 80 papers and one paper route to by the time I got rid of it, um, by the time I was 18, I had three paper routes and almost 300 newspapers. So I was, had a very, very large route for seven years, I had no complaints. And they would do this thing, um, which I look at it now, I'm like, wow, that was sales. They would do this thing that was called crewing. And what, it, what that meant is you would go to a new neighborhood where like houses were just built and you would knock on doors and try and sell newspaper memberships. So door to door, yeah. Right, right, door to door. So I did door to door and I was like number one in this for like ever. And the funny thing is like I did all this stuff and then I went to school to be a teacher. Like I, I didn't explore entrepreneurship. 
um, because I, I kind of had decided like, yeah, whatever, that, that, that is what it is. It was just a job. But when I look at it, the way I was doing that, it was as an entrepreneur. And then from, the, you know, from there, I ended up uh, getting my, going to school for a double major in Catholic theology and Torah. I then studied uh, literature at New College Oxford and then came back and got my master's uh, in ancient history. What? Yeah, taught high school for a couple of years, got burnt out very quickly. And then my mom had a really bad stroke and that really uh, set me on a path of, you know, trying to find something different, man. So it was a very difficult situation. You know, my mom's still with us. She's, you know, pretty badly disabled. Like she's not able to speak or anything like that anymore, but oh, she's still been here for us. And, you know, she helps with my daughter a couple times a week and stuff like that. So, you know, it's, it really set me on a path to, to look for something different, man. Wow. When, when that happened with your mother and it sounded like you said around that time that, that you decided a different path, were you, did you, did you feel unhappy in that role or did that just sort of wake you up to a different possibility? Why did you leave all that? Well, you know, it's funny because there's like one part, part of my story that like never fits. And I'm like, I don't know how to tell this because it doesn't fit. At 19, I uh, was playing football, stepped in a drain and tore three major ligaments in my knee. And uh, the anesthesia didn't go well and actually got last rites. And the funny thing about that is nothing really, nothing changed. Like I was just like, okay, you know, back to school. And as a Jersey guy, you'll appreciate that. Like I was very healthy at that point in time. And I'm like, I just want my Taylor ham sandwich. Like I just really <laughs> wanted that. And that was like all I got out of it. And then when my, when it happened to my mom, it like kind of brought some of those feelings back plus, you know, some of these new ones. And I guess it was because it was something outside of myself, right? Like it wasn't me. Cause I guess a lot of times we feel like we're invincible and this can't happen to us and I'm not really going to die. Like this isn't going to happen, but like almost losing a parent was really, really tough. And I actually was the one that came home from the gym and had, had found her. Like, so it was a really tough situation Ooh. and it took a little bit of time for me to decide like what that change was going to be. But my wife was shown a network marketing opportunity. Didn't know what it was. Like I saw this presentation. I'm like, I'm gonna make a million bucks like next week. This is gonna be incredible. Um, didn't work like that, but it was enough to get me to do something. Like, dude, you could have shown me how to sell garbage on Etsy and I would have been in. Like I needed to do something different. I wasn't happy. I was miserable. Um, I didn't have a teaching degree. So in private school here in Jersey, you don't need one. So they just throw you in a room with 40 kids and they say, good luck. What's a lesson plan? And uh, it's just like, it was like, you know, being trial by fire, man. So I just was not happy and I was looking for something new. Wow. Um, 19 years old, you were, you were playing ball, had the injury, an anesthesia didn't go right. Mm -hmm. You were read your last rights. Wow. Um, <laughs> how you didn't expect that one, right? <laughs> yeah. What do you, how really? So you were literally yeah. that, that you were, what do you right right in Denver, right in Denville, New Jersey, man, right in the hospital there? What do you consciously recall from that moment? You were aware of all that, or bits and pieces, man? Because you're awake, you're asleep. You're awake, you're asleep. They're running this test, running that test. You're awake, you're asleep. So it's just like it's a whole lot of jumbled, man. I can't tell you that much of what was happening. Um, you know, there was a lot of sadness, a lot of crying, stuff like that. So it's just like it was. Cool. I, I, I don't know the best way to, to do it justice uh, other than like, it was just, it's a, a jumble of a whole bunch of stuff. And it's literally like three days of like in and out of consciousness. Wow. Um, did that, as far as you can tell, did, did that change how you 
feel about our existence day to day, moment to moment today? Was that really like coming out of that? Were you, okay, I get it. I'm, I'm still here. Now I'm off and running in a different way. No, no, that's, that's why, that's why I mentioned the Taylor ham sandwich. Like literally like I get done and that was all I wanted because I, w- I was so healthy. I didn't typically eat things like that. So I just like wanted that thing and that was it. Like it didn't change me, didn't affect me. And it, like I said, it wasn't until almost losing a parent. Wow. And I, I think it's because a lot of times personally we're selfish, man. Like, and like, you know, it was like, nothing's going to happen to me. You know, I'm 19 years old, you know, whatever, this will be fine. I'll figure it out. But like, you know, my, my mom was in the hospital for nine months. So like, that was like really difficult. It made me look at a lot of things differently. How many years later was that with your mother? Uh, five. It was five. I was uh, 24 when, my mom, when that happened with my mom. Which really, in the grand scheme of things, not that long ago. That was nine, uh, nine years ago. And yeah. your situation was 14 years ago. I mean, my goodness. So, so with your mom's situation, that sort of um, helped put you on a path for me. And I know you can relate because you have a small, small little child that uh, I know 15, how much you 15 love. 15 months. 15 months? Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? I um I have a six year old daughter, a four year old son, and um I like you said we are all we are all um selfish on some level. And my life prior to my kids was just you know down down down, and it was going nowhere fast. Um, but then it, it took my children for me. It was that beautiful moment in time for me to wake up and say, my goodness, I'm at least smart enough to know that I don't want to continue to be this person in their life and, and be that father. I got to make some changes. And I made the choice. And I'm guessing the same thing happened to you with the situation with your mother. You still had to make the choice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'll say too, like having a child in 2018, like I don't think I've ever worked as hard and had as much come out of it as I did in 2019. And I honestly think it was because of that. So yes, you know, my mom, my mom made me look at things a lot differently, but, um, dude, like you want to have your necessity level change, have a child. You'll, you'll work a lot harder and a lot smarter and try to make a lot of things work. Like 2019 was an incredible year because of that. It's so true. And we're going to get into that because I know that that's, there's some great stories there. Um, you are, as I mentioned in the intro and my goodness, I saw a picture on your website. It's only from behind. So I'm guessing it's you and not stock photography. Yeah. Where you're like this and the back <laughs> muscles. Not, not as big as I was at that point, but yeah. So, so powerlifting, um, uh-huh. how, when, and why do you go into that, that industry? To that extreme, right? I mean, it's extreme in mm-hmm. in in a, in a literal sense. Yeah, I I uh, I was a wrestler uh, in school, and um, honestly, I didn't eat very well. Didn't take good care of myself, um, and I had started working out just to start taking care, better care of myself. And I found out, hey, this is kind of fun, and it kind of reminds me of like what a wrestling tournament was like. So I dove into it at seventeen. I got absolutely obsessed, and by twenty one, I was. Uh, leg pressing 1500 pounds and, and, and squatting 705, deadlifting 635, benching 455. And I was kind of like a, I don't know, like a pocket Arnold, man. I was, I was five foot five and, and 215 pounds at 8% body fat. So it was like, you know, it, it was a lot. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. I did a couple competitions. I pulled an 80,000 pound army tank for the wounded warrior project, uh, 15 feet. That was kind of cool. Um, 
And eventually I just kind of realized like, this is cool. This is fun. But uh, what's kind of the, the long-term vision on this? And like, where's it going? And I changed a lot more of my diet and stuff like that. And I usually walk around at 165, 170 pounds now. So fitness is still a huge component of my life, but I do a lot more compound movements and, uh, you know, like CrossFit type stuff rather than the, the powerlifting stuff. I've, I, I've always had a, um, a relationship and a knowledge and awareness of the, really the need to be uh, physically fit and mm -hmm. energetic and healthy. And uh, these days I, I certainly continue to take that seriously. Um, I, I, I run a lot. I recently got a Peloton, which I say has, I'm, I'm just like less than a month into that. And I'm was like, it, was it like the commercial? Are you like singing on the bike and your kids, your kids are like, what's dad doing in there? Yeah, exactly. And then I have to blame someone for pushing me into it. Right. And feeling that wait, 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 why, why do I have to do this? Um, yeah. Right. Like the, uh, like the commercial where they come in through the window and I'm just, yeah. Um, it, it, but, but it's really, it, it's really good for, for so many reasons, the Peloton, because it adds an element of, uh, you know, it, it has that interactive component and I, I vibe with all of that. So I'm like, you guys are inspiring me wonderfully and I'm just going to continue <laughs> to do it. It's helping. It, it's working well. It feels good. But aside from that or with that, um, Fitness and health is everything, right? So yeah. whether you're deadlifting the same way and powerlifting, it's all it's it's all to 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 a good end, right? Well, and I'll say honestly, like I'm healthier now than I was then because at the same time, too, anything outside of moderation, you know what I mean, can be a little bit too much. Like, dude, I was carrying a cooler around places, and if I missed my protein shake, I was like angry at people. So it's like, like at the same time, like you figure out what works for you and what's a great component of that. And that's something my, my wife and I were talking recently about, like when we first met, we've been together, gosh, almost 11 years now. And she was saying that one of the people, one of the things that, that she always admired about me was just my commitment to fitness. And like, sure, it's, it's adapted a little bit and it's changed a little bit, but it's always been a primary commitment for me. It's the first thing I do every morning. And it's what puts me in the right place to be able to do everything else I'm doing. Mm. Let's talk about your, um, you said your daughter is 15 months old. Yeah. Uh, uh, such, such a great time of life. Has becoming a dad surprised you, helped you, concerned you? Well, I, here's, here's a, I guess, a funny story to that. My wife was just on a business trip to Dallas this past weekend, which means it was daddy daycare all weekend. So I quickly discovered we need to put locks on every single one of these cabinets. So, so I had her, it's funny, she's 15 months old, but she was like holding the drill for me and handing it to me <laughs> when I needed it. But like, she can now get, not get any of these cabinets. I think in certain ways, um, it's maybe more perceptive of what can happen because, you know, a child can get into just about anything and they can cause a lot of issues you can't think about. So that's why you have to be a little bit more perceptive. Like there's times where I've caught her where they're like, wow, you got like daddy vision, but it's like you, you, you kind of develop this sixth sense for like what your kid's doing. And I think it also applies to other parts of your life. But at the same time, I've worked a lot harder and a lot smarter. And it's also made me, you know, go after some of these big goals I've been going after, man, because there's a certain type of life and a lifestyle that I want to create. And I know by, you know, the drive that I have and, and whatever, you know, having a child has pushed me a lot further to do that. What are some of these goals that you're referencing today, current day? Where are we going? I want to have the largest new media PR firm in the world. Um, I want to be a New York Times bestselling author. And uh, I want to be a household name. So it's amazing. Again, I'll, I'll reiterate something. No, no lagging communication, man, because it's always on my mind. <laughs> that's, 
That's the point. That's what I'm talking about. I asked you what your goals are, and you rattled off three of them. For the person listening, you have to understand how incredibly important that is. That yeah. is it. Yeah, man. You have to be aware. You have to know what you want crystal clear. Go back. This wasn't even a prearranged question. I said, what are, what are you building towards? What are your goals? He rattled off three distinct things. Because what you you live and breathe those? Yeah, absolutely, and and that's the cool thing about being in business with my wife is like I think a lot of people talk about like how hard business can be in their relationship, but for us it's an added component and huge part of that. So I think as well like it's really cool that we're on the same page about that. Like yeah, we want to have the biggest new media PR firm. Yeah, we want to help leaders in the world. How cool is that? Yeah, we bring our daughter to the office. It's a lot of fun, and so we've kind of figured out how to structure our lives around that. And have a little bit of fun with that. Uh, last year, I spoke in uh, Kiev, Ukraine last September. So my wife goes, awesome, cool. Okay, so we're going to go to Budapest. We're going to go to Bratislava, Vienna. We wanted to go to Prague, but we ran out of time. But we figured out how to build you know, our family experiences around this, this work life we're building, man. Mm. And goodness, I also, I also love how you haven't said these words. And I know how important this is. The element of belief. You yeah. know distinctively what you want to achieve, really big goals, great goals that you're working towards every single moment of every day, no doubt. But it's true that you have to, and you do, there's a belief, an utter belief that you can reach those goals. Yeah, you have to, man. You have to, because I think so many people, you know, they block themselves by thinking that they can't do it, even though they'll try. And it's kind of like, why would you even try if you don't think you can do something? Like it's this half-hearted attempt to make themselves right for thinking they couldn't do it. So it's like, if I'm going to do it, man, it's because I think I can do it. Like, you know, and I know I can do it. So it's like, I I don't know what else to say that other than that. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. And there's something like, you said that you want to be um, a household name. And I think that I think on some level, we all desire that sort of um, celebrity or that sort of, what is it? That sort of um, just, just, just position in the world. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, and I know I've been guilty for 40 plus years. Sure, I wanted that. I mean, my goodness, I spent 15 years in New York as an actor filmmaker. So no secret that, yeah, I wanted to be a household name in that industry. I was going for some sort of level of fame and celebrity and stardom that I wanted. But part of me didn't think that I, 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 you know, should be there or deserved Mm -hmm. it. So it takes whatever you can do to really work through those those resisting and conflicting elements too. Did you ever find yourself in those situations along your your life path here? Absolutely. That, you know, first opportunity of network marketing, like I actually did it longer than I should have because I had to make other people right that said I wouldn't be able to do it. You know what I mean? And I think at a certain time you got to realize like who are you really hurting by doing that uh, other than yourself? Like like mm. my my best friend at that time was my cousin. We haven't spoken in gosh, like seven or eight years now at this point, because all I wanted him to do was take a look at the opportunity I was doing. Like, I didn't care if he joined me or not, but just take a look. And if my wife hadn't been there, she'd think I was making it up. But he goes, you know, I know what you're doing and I'm going to do whatever I have to do to see you fail. So to me, like I then bought into this, that, like, yeah, to, to me, I then bought into this that I can't fail because he, he will win. And I think too many times, whether it's, you know, you know, whether it's a professor or a mentor or whoever it may be, 
we have to make somebody else wrong by what we're doing. And we're actually hurting ourselves by being right in that situation. You know what I mean? Like, you know, even in your, your acting situation, like maybe you were trying to make somebody wrong because you couldn't do it. And you know, that just wasn't the right opportunity for you because look at what you're doing now. And that's what, and that's what I think we have to take a look at. Like, is this being done for me and my, the groups that I'm a part of, or am I doing this to make somebody else wrong and just hurting myself? Wow. There is so much, I mean, I'm, I'm getting the chills just thinking about it. I want to hear some <laughs> specifics about, about this cousin of yours. So you were doing the network marketing and he said the words to you, I see what you're doing. I'm going to do whatever I can to see to it that you fail. Yeah. Cause right. he said I mean, that I didn't deserve it. Wow. So, I mean, uh, nobody wants to hear those things. And, um, the, the instinct as you found out is to get overcome with ego, mm-hmm. right? And yep. say, oh Ego's yeah, painful, I'll, man. I'll show him. And <laughs> exactly. now your motivation, your actions are, are ill inspired. Yep. And there's a lot of people that are burning off that fuel, man. And you're just hurting yourself by doing that. Ego is a scary little man. And he's bald and angry and turns red. <laughs> Are you, um, do you have things in place in your day to day, you know, to, to, to keep mentally strong? Fitness is the first component in my day. So that's kind of huge. Um, also as well, like I also have structured my business in such a way that I'm doing the tasks that I know I'm good at because I think a lot of people, you know, they get stuck in tasks they don't want to do and to build a business, you have to do that, but they haven't figured out how to work themselves out of those. So like I built a lot of processes and stuff in my business to put people in the right place. So I'm doing what I know I'm good at and what I enjoy. And honestly, I'm working towards a known goal. And I think that's a big deal as well, because a lot of people aren't working towards a goal. I can't tell you how many business owners I talk to that don't know what they're going to do in 2020 or don't know what they're going to do in 2019, whatever it may be. You have those things known, man. It's a lot easier to be on the same page with the people in your life. Let's talk about your current, your current day then. So, um, you and your wife, my goodness, together, um, you have this, this company command your brand, mm-hmm. by the way, congratulations on the dot com. Thank you, man. Thank you. Uh, you know, he, he was the guy had jacked the price up to 10 grand. We negotiated, got it at a much more reasonable price. And, uh, it's a very nice thing. Okay. Long story <laughs> short to connect the dots. If you're tuning in, um, apparently when you started command your brand, what was the URL dot? dot media dot media oh. now it's now it's dot com because uh, somebody owned commandyourbrand.com i didn't do any research before i registered the llc got excited fell in love with the name bad idea and uh guy researched me because we've been out there for a little bit and says oh it looks like this has some economic value to you took the price off of godaddy from 2500 jacked it up to 10,000. Oh. um i said no thank you waited a year and a half got a domain broker that got me a really good deal on the url Wonderful. So command <laughs> your brand. Um, at at its core, you're a, a new media PR firm, which yes. means what really? So we're we're focusing on uh, like non-traditional forms of media, which is I think the direction it's going, which is podcasts, um, online media, YouTube, live streams, stuff like that. So we're really focusing on getting people in the right place. The core of our business is mainly getting people on podcasts, uh, though we do have other, other opportunities that come our way. But we really focus on the storytelling of it. Like, you know, how are you going to get your story down so that you can be in the right place, be in front of the right people? Because I find a lot of times when people come to us, they have a certain idea on the type of podcast they want to be on. Um, and it comes more from a bigger is better ego type of standpoint. And then we kind of take a look at, well, who's your right audience? You know, who needs to hear you? How are you going to tell your story? And then we kind of find that perfect fit and match between the story, the place and, and how to promote it. 
I spoke earlier about it's important if you're looking for somebody um, to buy some sort of or partner with a product or service, you want to make sure that they're embodying that. How do you, through the command your brand business, how do you guys work to get your word out? What do you guys do? Hey, man, um, I am not like the, uh, the cobbler's children that do not have good shoes. Uh, we do exactly, you know, what we help other people do. In fact, um, I'm here with you today because my team had reached out to you about finally doing this, you know, episode. Yes, they did. So we're 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 big and bold on getting on the right podcasts and helping podcasters, and um, I'm also writing a ton. Um, I've written uh, over 100 articles for different publications and stuff like that. Um, sure. And then also my podcast helps to get us the attention. But like, we are doing exactly what we're preaching, man. I think that's really important. It is very important. Talk about the um, what what kind of growth? Because I know I've read and seen that uh, last year you you've come a long way, right? Yeah. Um, so last year we doubled growth in our business, um, which was incredible. Our goal is to four x that this year. Um, we've helped an incredible number of people, um, you know, hundreds of people in the last few years, which has been very cool. Um, but at the same time, like the speaking gigs I was getting was leveling up last year. Um, you know, I spoke in, like I said, I spoke in Kiev this year. I, I, have already gotten three incredible gigs on there as I'm going to be in, uh, I'm speaking in Thailand. I'm speaking in Phoenix and Dallas all in a 10 day period, which is going to be a little bit crazy. So for me, it's been the opportunities coming my way, the media features coming my way and just the, the level of growth, man, our team grew from three to 11 last year, which was pretty great. So it's, you know, the, the revenue has grown, the, the people have grown. Our team is incredible. Yeah, and uh, we're just kind of getting out there in a lot of right places, man. I like that you're um, we're bringing team into this conversation now. Um, when you started Command Your Brand, what year, by the way, did you you start it? So we originally started in 2015 as GetFeatured.com. Uh, had a disagreement with a co-founder, so you know we went our separate ways. Uh, we reorganized, doing the exact same thing as Command Your Brand Media, and uh, we've been doing that under this name since early 2017, I think. So you and your wife started this out of the gate together and under this brand? Yeah. Well, we originally started producing podcasts for people and uh, we found out we just didn't like it. And one of the things we were doing out of that from my wife's PR background was getting people in publications and getting them on podcasts. And clients are actually saying to us, uh, you know, the podcast is cool, but we really like this other thing. And we actually, like I said, partnered with another person and, uh, you know, didn't work out. We ended up moving on and, you know, we've been command your brand since, uh, 2017. The, the team, I mean, even growing to three, you said you grew from three to 11, which <laughs> is certainly, uh, admirable. How does somebody listening who might be solo, a one person operation? Yes. They know, like you said, you have to know what you're strong at. You have to know what your abilities are, but how do they get past the one person to even the three person? What has to, where do they go? So the, the, and, and, and I'm just going to tell you the way I did it and the way it worked for me. Yeah. Um, every position in our business is written up, meaning that it's a Google doc and every single step of what is done and what is expected and what that person looks like is written down. And what that person looks like, meaning like, you know, somebody that cares and that, you know, wants to see client success, wants to see, like, we haven't exactly what we're looking for in that type of person. Um, everything's also videoed as well. So there's a screen recording of every single thing that that person would do in their job. So basically you can put somebody in there and pretty quickly they'll know how to do that job. So the way I did it is first I was sales and production and the problem and what I mean by production is booking people on podcasts and that kind of stuff. So what you find is 
the production half of you doesn't want to let the sales half of you sell because he's afraid that he can't do more even though he wants to make more money. So the first thing I did is I hired somebody great as our first publicist. And, you know, she's still with us today. Um, she's been with us since day one of, you know, Command Your Brand and pretty, and, you know, month three of Get Featured, um, which is pretty incredible. So, uh, you know, once I got myself out of that situation, I tried to build a sales process and it took me a little bit to figure out how to do that. Then finally, in uh, September last year, I brought on a full-time salesperson and that's when revenue skyrocketed. Uh, we did more revenue in September through December of last year than we did the whole first, you know, nine months of the year. Right. And then, you know, we brought on more people in the production areas. We brought on people for quality control. But, you know, like I said, it, it, a lot of business owners, the thing that they resist from growing is they think that they're the only one that can produce the product. And if that's where you are, you're going to have a really hard time growing because sales in terms of growth is your number one most important thing. Because money can fix a lot of problems in your business. Like, you know what I mean? You can pay for things or you can get better training or things like that. So I got myself out of production first to figure out how to make more money and then to figure out how to put more people in there that could really, you know, do a great job at their job. So, so inspiring. Again, there's a, there's a huge component you just brought up. Again, that goes back to how you rattled off those three goals. Visualizing. You were mm -hmm. clear on exactly who you wanted in each role mm -hmm. and then created the media around basically attracting them. I'm going yeah. to create the videos and the spreadsheets and the documents for the ideal person, put them out there and then find the person and mm -hmm. have the person find this, that you believe in all that uh, magnetic attraction. hundred percent, man. If you don't decide what you want, you're going to get what you don't. And then you're going to complain about it for 10 years. <laughs> That's why the divorce rate is 50% in this country, man. <laughs> Say that again. If you don't decide on what you want. You're, if you don't decide on what you want, you're, you're, you're going to get what you don't. And then you're going to be very unhappy about it. And I said, that's why the divorce rate is so high in this country. <laughs> and then you're going to take, and then you're going to complain about it for 10 years. It's absolutely yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. Because then it becomes your thing and you're sitting there like, oh my gosh, I hate this situation. You know, people are bad and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like people complain about things that they haven't taken responsibility for. And the sad thing is, is that then they feel justified through the complaint and that's a oh, never that's ending. that's even worse, so, man. That's I even know. worse. Because I'm right because, and I'm right because, oh, you're so right and now you're broke. How is that? <laughs> <laughs> right. And you're so right and alone because I'm going over here. See you later. Yeah. I, I can't do anything. I don't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. So my brand, uh, The Hidden Entrepreneur, you know, was founded on the premise that I spent a lifetime hiding behind fear, using that as an excuse. Very self-aware now, I can admit all that. Um, but I've been able to actively choose and continue to day in and day out to make better decisions and put better um, habits into place. Can you tell us about a time that comes to mind, any point in your life or career when you were confronted with a, a big level of fear and you knew it can go in either direction, but you have to power through? Honestly, when I quit my job, so when I quit my job teaching and jumped full time into network marketing, like that was a scary thing, man. And and somehow I managed to make the bills go right doing that. But um, that was a pretty big leap. I can't even like my my boss, the principal at that time, thought I was insane. But I just like I didn't see it going the direction I wanted to. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills. I didn't know how I was going to cover my cover my student loan. But I just went for it, man. And you know what? Here's the thing. Like, if I was still in that situation, I wouldn't be doing anything I'm doing now. So I, I think wow. sometimes you have to do some things that scare you, even if you feel like you're not ready for it. There's something so 
powerful that I want to drill further into. You said, I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills. I didn't know how I was going to make money, but yet I did. And I still went down this, this path. Talk to me about that. How, how can somebody logically do that? Cause it's kind of like you're at that point where you don't feel like you have anything left to lose. Like, you know, I, I, I was teaching in private school, which in Jersey, man, it's kind of like working at a Burger King drive through in terms of money. So like I could easily replace that income. Like I didn't have to make that much money to, to, to replace it. And I wasn't happy as it was. So I was looking for some sort of an option. So it, it yes, the, this career was what I went to school for and what I was going to do everything else. But like, I wasn't happy there. And it seemed like in order to replace that wouldn't be that difficult. And, you know, you, you kind of feel like you're in this point. Well, anything could be better than what I'm doing now. And, you know, you commit to it and make it work, honestly. Yeah. And there's also a level of um, there's there's a uh, an intuition, right? Certainly a part of you believe that I don't know how, but I'm sure that I could. And I'm yeah. confident it will. I it's don't have certainty. all the answers. It's a certainty and a knowingness that you can do it. And I think a lot of people don't. And it's it's not a cockiness. It's just no. knowing, hey, I can make this happen. You know what I mean? Like, I can make this happen. I can commit to it and I can do it. And when you have that level of certainty, you're going to figure out how to do it, man. Like, you, you know you can do it. You're going to figure out how. Yeah, and I wasn't always that type of person. But today, I live by that. I, I trust my intuition. I trust my gut. I trust my feelings. And if if it feels one way, but I don't know the how, when, and why, which really is fine, right? Yeah. They, they say you, you, you shouldn't wait for all those answers, but just get comfortable with making a confident decision one way or another and taking the first step. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and honestly, too, like a great example of that is um, you and I had met an event in the city, I think, was it last year or two years ago? Yeah. Like last year? Yeah. And, and it, it, was, uh, it was a week in May. And that same week, I spoke at an event in Pennsylvania. I was at the event with you. I did a film. I did a TV show recording the next day, and then I was at another event um, in like Virginia or something like that. So I was in like all these places in a in a whole bunch of time. I didn't know how I was going to do it. It kind of scared me a little bit. But at the same time, like I've grown so much from having to stretch myself like that that you think of you know like other things you're going to do don't scare you because of that. That's another an, another really uh, really legitimate thing. Like you said, um, you were doing things that scared you, but you felt like you had to stretch yourself. In going back to fitness too, isn't that the only way muscles are made and endurance yeah. is made and strength is made by deliberately and actively stretching yourself? Yep, one hundred percent, man. Like you, you don't. You don't create new bonds until you break the old ones. That's really what it looks like. Say that again. You don't create new bonds. You don't bonds. create new bonds until you break the old ones. It's the same thing with beliefs, man. You don't create new beliefs until you break the old ones. What does that mean? Well, let's, I'll put it this way, right? Like um, when I was growing up, I thought $100,000 was a lot of money. And like the ultimate was to make $100,000. But in order to make more than that, you got to believe that's not a lot of money. So you got to break that old belief to be able to create a new one, man, because that one's going to weigh you down. <laughs> so this, so, yeah. Oh yeah. So this really, um, means that you have to become self-aware. You have yeah. to know what you're thinking. You have to define your, your, your beliefs consciously and see where they fall. Yeah. 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 And, if you, and it's, you know, you look at that, the only way you're going to build everything big is by changing your own mindset, your own beliefs. That, that's, it's, 
we, you know, we're, we're held bound, we're held down by the, the tiniest of strings being our thoughts. You know what I mean? And if you can change those, you can change a lot of things. Wow. My goodness. Well, this has been, um, this has been magnificent. When we're looking to wrap this up, looking back on the conversation we've had and we're having, what is, what is the, the thing that the person listening needs to now know and hear and do going forward? Think bigger, you know, don't let old beliefs weigh you down and don't let others tell you you can't do it, man. Um, that's really the thing I would say. So learn how to think bigger, learn how to you know, not get stuck in the muck of the old thoughts and, and get charging forward. I completely agree with that because I'm living proof. Two plus, <laughs> two plus years ago for four decades, I did not think bigger. I thought like this and I did not want to upset others by thinking bigger because secretly behind closed doors, I knew darn well what I was capable of thinking. And I believe we all are, we all have that ability, but we resist, we keep ourselves small for a variety of our own personal reasons that if you really want to think bigger, take some time to get quiet and get honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. Is that it? Yeah, I would agree hundred percent, man. Yeah. Wow. How do people uh, keep the conversation going with you, Jeremy Ryan Slate? Absolutely. Well, actually, um, I put together an awesome piece for your audience because I think really getting the right media attention is what we all need to do. And uh, if they want to go over to commandyourbrand.com slash seven reasons, I'll show you the seven reasons that nobody knows you and how you can change those. And the number seven or the word seven will work for that. Wow. What could I say? By the way, for the record, um, for those tuning in right now, Jeremy is is a product of his own product and service, right? Yeah. So if you want to be better at telling your story and getting your message out or showing up on podcasts or speaking or growing or building a team, whatever, go back and dissect what he brought to the table. That's the deal. He laid everything out for you. Whether you want to do exactly what he's doing or nothing like what he's doing, it's all universal. Yes? Yeah, I would agree 100%, man. Cool. Well, there you go. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether it's to this live broadcast. I love seeing you all here on Facebook or you're catching the podcast in its native form on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you consume Leave a rate and review. I love reading your comments. Please do keep them coming. We're going to do this again before too long. Thank you so much for being who you are and doing what you do. Until we meet again, go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>